You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place you expect a ghost to like to wander around. Hey, we don't know where we're going down, baby! I'll help you. I'm something of a witch. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I'm your fantastic host, JC. With me today, as per usual, the queen of everything herself, Kiki and our local cryptic expert, Horde. How you guys doing? Horde, how you doing? <sighs> Tired. Got your garden in yet? No. I wanted to do that today, but it's about to rain. I feel you. I'm excited to get the garden in, though. Hey, I got a question for you guys. Have you seen, did you see, on Twitter where... No. <laughs> what's, a, what's a Twitter? Right. Yeah, okay. Never mind. So, Dana Newkirk... In case our listeners aren't yet aware, Dana Newkirk, Greg Newkirk from Hellier. And I think it's very interesting and something we should talk about briefly here. She does not like the word hunter. when We're talking about ghost hunter hunting. That it has a negative connotation. Like we're trying to trap ghost or like stalk a ghost or, you know. And part of me that kind of like gets that. So she was asking people on Twitter, you know, basically if you were going to change it, you know, change it to one of the things that came up with a shindig, like <laughs> we're going to a ghost shindig. I thought it was cute, but um, I don't know. I think Mission Spooky is more foragers. Like we're ghost foragers, you know, we're out there looking for them. Don't necessarily want to hunt them. Which feelings on that? I have very strong opinions about like, I don't know. It's silly. <laughs> It's like you're, you're, because when you're a ghost, it's like you are in theory hunting a ghost. You just don't want to shoot it with a gun. You want to shoot it with a camera. Like you want to get that shit on camera. You are kind of sort of trying to trap a ghost or to lure a ghost out or to follow the clues of a ghost and get it on camera. You're also wanting to have that experience of encountering a ghost. Ghost encounterers? But that sounds stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, ghost investigation has always been... They're, like, they're, they're paranormal investigators, and those, those are kind of the people that try and get stuff, like, they're trying to prove the existence, in my opinion, and I think we covered this in, like, episode one. Paranormal investigators are trying to prove the existence of the paranormal to other people, so they're trying to get the video evidence to support their theories. They're scientific about it, they want to try and be skeptical about it, whereas a quote-unquote ghost hunter just wants to have that experience for themselves, and maybe a small group of friends. They're not trying to prove anything. They're not trying to be scientific about it. They're not trying to like debunk the photos that they capture. They're just like, here's a photo of a ghost, dude. Like, that's a ghost hunter. They're not, you, you know, they're just having fun with it. I think the question is then like, they're having fun, but is the ghost having any fun? Probably depends on the ghost. <laughs> I mean, we don't know. That's that's a good question. Like, we we don't, we don't. No, but we're the, the ghost hunter is quote unquote trying to have an experience. I, I think what she's trying to get at is too, too many times the ghost hunter has been 
sort of the one going out there and like exacerbating perhaps a bad issue. And instead of just, you know, waiting patiently, being kind about it, they go out there sometimes and are like, you know, for example, punch me in the face, ghost, you know, like something stupid like that. And uh, we should probably not as a we, but, you know, the, as a whole, the parent normal community should probably not embrace that anymore. That's my feeling on it. I don't know. But what if I want a ghost to punch me in the face? That's different. <laughs> I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. I'm saying the what ghost if that's the experience you in the they want. If the ghost wants to punch you in the face, I feel like they're going to do that. Yeah. Probably without much prompting. <laughs> you just come around the corner like, bam, right in the face. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't, to me, it's not like negative. I mean, when you put like certain people on TV and how they they do <laughs> overreact to to things it is a little a little silly but i mean you also have to think that that's made for tv they have to be entertaining to keep ratings and stuff like that like i mean this this is almost like a, the conversation we had with tyler strand as to why they didn't have all the footage i wanted to see in hellier because that shit would have been boring for 97 percent of people that wa watch hellier like you have to ha it's still a show you still have to put the stuff out in a kind of entertaining way even when it's a documentary it still has to be entertaining to hold the attention of those who are viewing it yeah when you have the negative people who like if you take the shows out of it i don't see anything wrong with the term ghost hunters because you are hunting an experience with our ghost tracker tracker would probably be a better term i would like that term tracker there you go it also sounds cool it does i think that we're gonna do that and i'm gonna change the t-shirt that we have which says like our little ghost hunting checklist i'm officially changing it to ghost tracking it's like you're a ranger looking for mm -hmm. ghosts I'm down with that Sure, you're not necessarily yeah. hunting them, but you're like, yeah, you want to know where they are. And have an experience with them. Right. Because you're tracking an animal, you're not necessarily, for example, you're tracking an animal, you're not necessarily going to kill it. You may just be educating people. Right. So it's the same concept. We're educating, trying to educate people. Paranormal. Well, all right, then. Um, it's official. Mission Spooky Podcast goes ghost tracking. For I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with the term ghost tracking. When you're just... Once again, I think paranormal investigating should still remain. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But instead yeah. of ghost hunters, the amateur -y kind of just having your the experience for yourself in a small group of people, not trying to prove anything, not being very scientific about it. Sure, ghost trackers. You guys have anything to add? I like ghosts. Court <laughs> does like ghosts. I can confirm. <laughs> he has tried to lick a ghost once. I saw it. Okay, well, you know what? Let's just get into it today because we do have kind of a bit to cover. And first, we're going to break for a podcast promo. Coolness Chronicle again this week. We want to get the word out about this. Ryan's doing a great job. The first season is Mr. Science Theater 3000. He's got stuff planned after that. So listen to that promo right now. And when we get back, we will do volume two of Abandoned Places in Pennsylvania because you listeners asked for it. Have you ever listened to a podcast and thought, that could be more granular? That dive wasn't deep enough? Explain that to me poorly, but with more jokes? 
My name is Ryan Luis Rodriguez, and I host The Coolness Chronicles, a subjective, hopefully humorous, time-traveling road trip through popular culture. Each season, we dive deep into the entire histories and legacies of the coolest films and television shows. From 100 episodes on The Greatest Thing Ever, Mystery Science Theater 3000, to 35 on The Funniest Film Ever Made, Airplane. Its inspirations, its influence, its creators, and everything in between. And silly shit. Lots and lots of silly shit. But hey, you're listening to this now, so somebody thinks it's okay enough. The Coolness Chronicles is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you find this amazing show, you can find us. And by us, I mean me. The royal us, as it were. I promise the actual show is better than this promo. Welcome back, you beautiful sons of witches. Ooh. All right, guys. So, um, abandoned places voted on by our listeners on Twitter. Gave them options. They were really, really into this. They wanted this to happen. So, I'm making it happen. Please, please be old enough to know about these things because uh, I feel really fucking old after reading a lot of crap. Are you aware of all of like the um, honeymoon spots up in the Poconos? Like all the hotels and shit with like heart-shaped jacuzzis. And- I mean, yes. yes, I'm aware of those. Thank you. <laughs> Yes. So one of those is called Penn Hills Resort. Mm. It is an abandoned place now that you can visit. So the trivia I have behind part of this is that Cove Haven Resort on Lake Wallenpopak was the very first, like the OG heart-shaped bathtub. Also, they have the ones that have like the seven-foot champagne tower jacuzzi. I don't know if you ever seen that shit. It's crazy. I have. I have. There you go. Um, when I was at a place of business, I was working somewhere and we started talking about that kind of stuff and weird Pocono stuff. Cove Haven Resort is still there and you can rent that seven foot tall champagne tower jacuzzi for $367 a night, guys. <laughs> Go for it. It's couples only. No children's. Now, in Annalomink. There is a road, which is now called Paradise Trail, find what is left of the long-abandoned Penn Hills Resort. And as of September of 2020, there isn't very much left due to fire. But in its heyday... Wait, they build it out of hay? No. Because that might be why there was a fire. (laughs) Hay is very flammable. Yep. It certainly is. I know. I'm I'm not, like, making this up. Anyway... (laughs) was one of the few places that couples could go to to have a romantic getaway in the Poconos and most of the time it was reserved for honeymoon. It was also famous for a wedding bell shaped swimming pool which apparently is still there. The couple suites also included bright heart shaped jacuzzi surrounded by mirrors. There are pictures from the 1960s. It's a thing. When the remaining co-owner of the property died in 2009 at the ripe old age of 102 Monroe County seized the property for more than $1 million owed in back taxes. Yikes. Employees never saw their final paycheck. Now, this site becomes kind of infamous during the Eric Frayne incident. I don't know if you guys remember him. Yes. Yeah, he was a cop killer. Oh, I do remember that. Mm -hmm. That was a few years ago. What, like probably six, seven that was definitely like a big deal thing, yeah. Because he was hiding in the Poconos for like ever. So it was a actual multi-state massive manhunt to find this kid. 
he just for listeners who who aren't aware of who he is he basically parked outside of a police barracks and snipered uh, one police officer just dead and then the other one he shot and injured very badly and he lived now legend has it that if you go there even now that his manifesto was written on or ice skating rink. I could find absolutely no evidence to back this. There's plenty of pictures of the place before it was set to flame. So yeah, there's like nothing. There's one thing that I saw. It just says Frayne lives. So in 2017, the building, the main building was destroyed by fire and the remaining buildings were going to be demolitioned and make way for a new heritage center. I'll get about, I'll get into that in one but then last September, arson just destroyed pretty much the rest of what was there. Technically, you can still go there. There is like some foundations. But I think what they did with it was really cool. If you look up Broadhead Creek Heritage Center, Broadhead spelled B-R-O-D-H-E-A-D, uh, they have turned it into an eagle preserve. So there are now bald eagle chicks and they have them on the website you can see them they're doing fantastic and so it's kind of neat that the county wound up just getting all that land back and then using it as a preserve yeah right mm -hmm. and then you can donate to them too they always take donations there's also a museum there oh it's a beautiful building too yeah they did a great job so it was kind of neat i liked that that was an abandoned place but also it was a huge estate, just massive. There was even a, there was a golf course. Now what the golf course was bought separately and that is where the Eagle Preserve is currently. Apparently still some of the outbuildings that were part of the original resort are still there. And last pictures I saw did still have the Penn Hills Resort huge sign where you would turn into. Next one I'm going to talk about. Oh, guys, this one. Uh -huh. This is one of those ones where you, you're, I've never heard of it. I wanted to do some research into where it came from, why it was there in the first place, and who decided to build it. And I think the people involved turned out to be like more interesting in a negative way than I anticipated. Uh, so this place is called French Asylum or Asylum. I did look up how to say the word because I get a lot of this like, oh, you didn't say it right. Dude, I looked it up. Asylum was the pronunciation so french asylum have either of you ever heard of this place um i'm doing directions to it now <laughs> no I've never it's heard only of this two and a half hours away that's not too bad but no i haven't heard <laughs> about it all right jc let's go nice pause the podcast we're going <laughs> and then when we come back we'll have a review all right now hold on don't get <laughs> don't get too excited about this one there's one coming up that you guys are going to get really super excited about and okay. I'm down and I'm down to go. This one is just really interesting. And I didn't even know that it existed. So I thought it was pretty cool. So obviously, we should know by now that the French helped America win its independence from Britain during the Revolutionary War. And if you don't know that, you need to go back to school. Thanks, France, for our freedom. Yes. Thank you for helping <laughs> us, France. God damn it. We don't even have any French listeners yet. I'm mad. I want some French listeners. So unfortunately, though, we did not return the favor when France's own revolution popped up. Not entirely, anyway. It turns out that a few wealthy Pennsylvanians did attempt to help just the French aristocracy. <laughs> right? Wait until you hear about these, these guys. This is great. So, these are the three pieces of shit that decided to build this place to help only the French aristocracy. Makes so much sense when I tell you who they are. The first one is Stephen Girard. 
Now, he was born in France. So I was thinking to myself, okay, you're born in France. I get it. You want to help out the French wealthy people because you're wealthy. Okay, whatever. This is the list. This is the actual list of when you look him up, it's philanthropist, banker, slave owner. Oh. I'm like, oh, oh, how can you? Okay, the banker and slave owner, that definitely goes together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Philanthropist, how, how does he get in the way with this? Okay, so wait for it. Upon his death, and people in Philadelphia, you're going to recognize this right away. Who you, you should recognize the last name, Gerard. There's a lot of Gerard stuff all over the place outside here, uh, outside of Philly. Upon his death, he gave his entire fortune to Philadelphia and New Orleans. Little side note, his family uh, that was still alive was completely pissed about this, which is kind of funny. They wanted to sue the state of Pennsylvania for like, no, 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 no. This can't be right. Like, we have to get this money. And <laughs> they lost. He established Girard College. There's the big Girard. He also had the Bank of Girard, right? Girard College. It sounds great, right? Like nowadays we might think, oh, college, no, whatever. But it started out as a special school for poor orphan white kids only. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was his philanthropy on that particular subject. I was like, oh, okay, 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 great. Moving on. We got <laughs> Robert Morris, a signer of the Declaration of Independence and a massive slave trader and slave owner. <laughs> this is great. At one point, he not only went into Africa to kidnap people and force them into slavery because that was like money waking, right? But he and his partner in crime, they owned a plantation in Baton Rouge that had 40 slaves working on it. Now, he did at one point have several house slaves in Philadelphia. But by the census of 1790, which, by the way, is the first census to include slave names, because God forbid they had actual names before that. because They weren't really people. Right. Uh, he had he had no slaves before anybody thinks that he turned over a new leaf. And, oh, he, he just stopped having slaves. No, it was because. Pennsylvania was slowly abolishing slavery and it started in 1780. So this motherfucker didn't have a, he didn't have a choice. He had to not have slaves in his house and by that sense. So there's piece of shit number two. This, this one, this is my favorite. And there's John Nichols. Among other titles, he was the former comptroller of Pennsylvania and a staunch anti-federalist. In his prime, he liquidated the estates of traders after the Revolutionary War. That sounds like fun, right? You're like, oh, you we're supporting the British? Well, we're going to take all your shit and we're going to give it out to the state. But he was really, really good friends with Morris. And together with this other guy named Greenleaf, they spent loan money on buying up property prospects for what was going to be the new federal city. This is right before Washington, D.C., right? So there's a lot of cities that could possibly be the next place for our federal government. And a lot of these guys who had money, they would go buy up all these properties in different cities. They made a lot of mistakes along the way. And the one was that they actually spent all the loan money before they actually were given the loan. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So in 1797, Nicholson winds up in debtor's prison. 1797. I was like, well, at least there's a little tiny bit of justice there. <laughs> So before all that happens, these three guys decide that they're going to purchase 300 acre plot in Bradford County, and it's going to house French asylum seekers. Now, keep in mind, they really only care about the aristocracy. They don't 
care about, you know, French people. So this also isn't a charity situation. They're not like, oh my gosh, the French aristocracy who did help us, right? So we feel obligated to protect them. Maybe that was what it was, right? No, 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 no. They're thinking we're going to get all that sweet, sweet French cash from these nobles who are escaping the guillotine, right? Mm. Obviously, they're going to bring their money with them. They start building a France away from France, hoping that one day, though, it'll become a self-sufficient little community. The plot is right by the Susquehanna River. It's absolutely gorgeous. You can go there today. There's only one building, though, I'll tell you that. Before everything fell apart, though, there was a huge um, house that they called La Grande Maison. And this was supposedly rumored to be the house for Queen Marie Antoinette, which we know she didn't make it. It was all laid out like a little town, had a market square, had lots for about 413 houses. So 30 refugees do manage to get here, though, in the fall of 1793. And it just kind of fell apart. As I just told you, Morris and Nicholson went bankrupt in the late 1790s. So that was it for that. They couldn't keep up with it. And then the French uh, sources actually dried up. And um, many of those exiles went to New Orleans, Savannah, and Charleston. Three beautiful places anyway. And then in 1803, Napoleon just says, like, everybody can come back. So anybody that's in exile, you can come back. But in Pennsylvania, we wind up having some remnants of them still here and local communities. So we've got Nepot, Homer, La Fèvre, Bravos, and De Altremont. <laughs> <laughs> The fancy names, <laughs> the autrement, as it, which is really funny because I tried to look up just to make sure how to say la porte. We just say la porte. I tried to look up home because I was like home, home. Pretty sure it's um, silent at the end, but <laughs> it said the, it said homits was the, <laughs> the pronunciation. I was like, yep, that sounds American. <laughs> homits. We're going to homits. There were approximately 50 original structures. None of them are, there, are there now, but it is a historic site, so you can definitely go. There's 20 acres. Some of it was absorbed into farmland in the area. And there is one log cabin that serves as a museum, which displays artifacts and objects that belonged to some of the town's original French exiles. Fun. Didn't even know that that existed, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. And also fuck those guys. <laughs> Wow. The next one's really good. This death is involved. Ooh, I do like death. <laughs> if only it could be mine. Wow, JC. <laughs> wow. This is one that you guys are going to want to go see. Okay. I think it might be closer. Oh, my God. So this is New Castlevania Cascade Park. Oh. I feel like JC is typing already. I was going to. What was it? New Castle? It's New Castle, Pennsylvania, and it's called Cascade Park. Now, Cascade Park is technically still there as an actual park. But this was also something I didn't know. I love doing the research and finding out that I was fully aware of. In the late 1800s, power companies are the ones that realize they can make a lot of extra money by building amusement parks with rides. And Cascade Park becomes one of those places and it's developed by a Pennsylvania power company that eventually becomes First Energy. Like today, it's called First Energy. Wait, did you say this place was closer? Because it's five hours and six minutes. Yeah, away. I just realized. I, I was thinking, I'm like, oh, you know what? Newcastle, I think it's actually close to the Ohio border. It, it, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sorry. This is not closer. My bad. No, it's the opposite of closer. <laughs> it's further. Much further. That, that's an overnight stay. <laughs> but it's so cool. It really is. So this place officially opens on May 29th of 1897. And it had a dancing pavilion. It had an outdoor theater, a roller skating rink, 
bumper cars, a grandstand, which apparently was like one of the largest on the East Coast at the time. And it had an indoor roller coaster called the Figure Eight. But that's not the roller coaster that gave people some problems. It's like the one that replaces it in 1922. And they called this the Gorge because instead of it being on a flat surface, they used the park's natural terrain to have this thing go like through a gorge that was there, dips and curves and around trees. And it's it, it was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. I'm terrible. Terrible. I'm so sorry. Yeah, um, pretty bad. <laughs> but it, it was really cool to uh, to see the photographs. I found some line to kind of give my give me an idea of what like and it would be like you're racing through the forest, basically. Unfortunately, in the summer of 1927, two people died riding the Gorge roller coaster. This is interesting because one source says that the two people died like at the same time because they were both riding in the front. But the newspaper article that I was able to find, it was weird. I could not find anything on the first victim. His name was Thomas Price. The second article was on Mrs. Anna Burr. She was the second person to die. And the way that it was worded is that Thomas had an accident first and that like she died much later in a separate accident is what it sounded like. Both of the people were apparently riding in the front of the cars, but like I said, it sounds like it's different times. So it was really sad. We, we lost two people in the same summer. So Anna died the night of July 19th, 1920, and then Thomas passed away. Before. But after these deaths, they decided to put buckled straps into the ride to prevent further issues because she fell out when it was going over a dip. That was the quote from the news article. Unfortunately, this ride winds up getting demolished much later due to termites, but the remnants of it are still there. And I'll get into that in a second. The next roller coaster that went in was in 1954. That was Comet. That is still, as far as I could tell, still there, like remnants of it. And that's uh, like, like I said, you're looking at like 1950s style roller coaster remnants of that still being available to take pictures of and, and go out there and look at. Yeah, most of the park gets closed down due to maintenance issues. It was still open in the 1980s. But unfortunately, there's a lot of vandalism. Someone had, had stolen 15 carousel horses in the 80s. I did look for that article. I couldn't find the news article. The comet wound up having a tree fall on it. That's when it was just too expensive to repair. That was like 1982. There is a picnic shelter there now. There's the restored carousel house. There's a fitness trail. You can see what's left of, the ro of both roller coasters. Over the creek. So you go online, you look pictures of Cascade Park, you'll see what I'm talking about. Like you can, so it's like the one picture of someone standing in the middle of the creek and you can see all of these metal rods across the creek where you would have been barreling down like into near the river. I imagine at its, yeah, at its heyday, it was probably, oh, the heyday again, in its prime, <laughs> okay, in its prime, JC, it was probably a lot of fun. I want to mention this. I was all excited because I found something called witch's hat and then it turned out to be like not really a big deal <laughs> but i just want to go to a place called never sink mountain because it's it's apparently in reading so that's, that is close and it used to be the site of like all these hotels and all that's left of it is this 
pavilion where the roof of it looks like a witch's hat. So people just call it the witch's hat. You can go out there whenever you want, though, and, and hang out. Okay, guys, this is the one that shocked me. Had, again, no idea that this existed. Do you guys know about jet bunkers in the Quahana wild area? You know what? Actually, I did. I, I've been there 17 times today. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, JC actually lives there. That's, <laughs> That's where I'm currently at. Lives in the bunker. A jet bunker. The nuclear jet engine testing complex at Quahana was born of something called Atoms for Peace, a program proposed by President Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1953. So the theory behind it was that you could design and find peaceful uses for nuclear technology. And in this case, Quahana Jet Engine Project was to develop nuclear-powered jet engines for the United States Air Force. Have I blown your mind yet? Because I was like, what? (laughs) Of course, this would allow fighter planes and bombers to stay airborne indefinitely without having to refuel. That would be cool. I mean, think of the tactical superiority we would have over whoever we're fighting. Right. So uh, Curtis Wright Corporation, and I just throw that out there. You guys, uh, if your listeners don't know, they do a lot with aero technology. Uh, They received the contract and obtained 51,000 acres of land in this remote area of Pennsylvania. And it's in a remote area for two reasons. One, they wanted to keep the project secret, as secret as possible. And two, they'd like to keep it away from populated areas in case something went horribly wrong. You know, like a nuclear explosion, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Pennsylvania was all for it because they were thinking job growth. You know, not really worried about nuclear meltdowns, the environment. They did sell Cameron County's public state forest land to to Curtis Wright Corporation to do this. Ah, yeah. So um, the nuclear reactor, of course, was dismantled decades ago. The bunkers are still there. And there's a little bit of, like, um, conjecture here because... One website tells people that you're not permitted to go, but I'm going to suggest if you're a PA resident or if you're coming here and you like abandoned places and you want something to trust, I found pabucketlist.com. Very cool site, has a lot about exploring these exact places. Some of the places we've talked about, and there's a a whole ton more on here that not necessarily uh, abandoned places, but just some waterfalls. They have the locations and everything in here, so it's pretty helpful. So pabucketlist.com, I went to them because I wanted to see if they had any pictures. And sure enough, man, they got tons and tons of pictures of these things. (laughs) They even found the old seal for the Atoms for Peace project, which is interesting. This website uh, tells you exactly how to get there. And it makes out like, yeah, this isn't isn't a problem. Like you can just go visit it. It does say, though, that because the property is technically not maintained, you go there at your own risk, which is what I say about most anywhere that if the property is not man- maintained, obviously, you know, you're assuming your own personal injury. I am not telling you guys to go to these places. I'm merely telling you that you can go to these places. <laughs> <laughs> Always be careful. I'm selling this disclaimer now about the nuclear place, but uh, the bunkers, you know, they're, un- they're partially underground. There is one that you can still get into. 
fairly easily and you can climb up on sort of a the hill where it's partially covered and get kind of a glimpse of what the testing area would have been, which is kind of neat. And the nice thing about this area is that there's two other abandoned sites that are within like two miles. Oh, and if you're lucky, this is elk area. And yeah, we have like a huge elk population up in this area. So you might even get to see a, a herd. So it was uh, it was funny because I didn't realize how close these things were, but only two miles away from the uh, this site is something called the Coons Camp. This is definitely abandoned. A local family in the 1900s built a hunting camp and still there and apparently kind of connected to the bunkers because uh, in the 1950s when they sold this land these guys had to had to leave it's just kind of a neat place to i think to hang out at you know not feeling like it's very ghosty but it's absolutely gorgeous and table falls is also not far from there that's a definite bucket list for pa and then the other one that is abandoned and i think just seeing it would be kind of cool it's called the Kinzua bridge state park probably isn't said like that it's probably like kenswa or some crazy i don't know man that's in mckean county again not very far away but it was once the longest and tallest railroad bridge in the world and it fell apart oops (laughs) it fell apart (laughs) it was completed in 1882 and for over 100 years it was used they crossed the valley which is uh, 300 feet below. But in 2003, during repairs, there was a tornado that swept through there. And 60% of that bridge just is currently laying mangled on the valley floor. Very interesting. So I had no idea. Didn't even clean it up. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's, um, it's immense. It's, it's crazy. There's How would you even clean it up? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I'll send you the picture. It's insane. If you think about how it was the longest freaking bridge, railroad bridge in the world for like all those years. And wow. So I think of like the movies where the, the people are running on, on those like long bridges, like you have nowhere to go because you're either jumping to your death or, you know, or hell, even in Lost Boys, you just watch that movie where they hung from yeah. that bridge. Yeah. Right. That's yep. what this is like. There's nowhere to go to, though. It's just a valley below. There's nothing. It's just just drop down to your death, man. Scary. Our musical guest for today is Jiraiya from New York City, New York. And this song, I freaking love this song, is called Debt Collector. And I thought it was kind of funny because, you know, <laughs> that guy wound up going to jail for <laughs> debtor's jail. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was dumb. Appropriate. <laughs> right? That's and also, like, Jiraiya is amazing. Please go follow him on all the stuff. As usual, we will have all the information in the show notes. I'm actually currently working on updating all show notes to give you guys like all the links necessary to uh, to hit all the buttons for all of our favorite people all over the place. When we get back, we'll add news and shout outs real quick. Will come and drag you. 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm glad everybody enjoyed that song. I liked it. I enjoyed that song. You better have liked that song. This kid is like super, super talented. I think he's going to just skyrocket. I really do. I'm excited for him. Anyway. Anyway. So I will go ahead and make the announcement now as we just talked about it as a team. We are going to be folding up Pot of Holding, not keeping it separate anymore. It's going to be part of Mission Spooky officially. So stay tuned for that. That's a big deal. We already have some of our spoiler stuff was up at the $1 level for our Patreon. So we're going to keep that the way it is. We're just going to change the logo a little bit. And yeah, we said the heck with it. You know what? We are paranormal. We also have a geeky streak. So let's just let's just put the geeky streak in with it. It'll just be separate segments. So it won't be too confusing. It also will have its own logo separate from the regular show. So if you just want to skip that, if you're not into listening to our um, reviews of movies etc you can just stick with mission spooky and just skip past the reviews what a bunch of gosh dang nerds we are and i'm getting ready to do my um candle keep for dnd i'll be doing a quick uh candle keep review let you guys know how that's going we had a really positive uh response from you guys from our first ttrpg for fun we're obviously no cryptids were heard in the cord versus cryptid podcast episode <laughs> Uh, I not for real. I beg to differ. <laughs> not for reals. Yeah. I did a number on that big old boy. Yep. So stick with Mission Spooky Patreon. $1, $3, $5. And then follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and listen to us wherever the hell you want. You're already listening to us. You know that. If you have any strange stories, please give them to us at Mission Spooky Podcast, all word at gmail.com. We'll always take them. We'll find something to do with them. Join our Discord. You can talk to us on there, too. Tell us your weird shit. We love it. We like weird shit. Would you be opposed to doing a fan-submitted stories episode? I would love a fan-submitted stories episode. We just need fans to submit stories. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I can go hunt down stories. Not a problem. I already did that for the one military when I was able to find some firsthand accounts. But it's always fun when you guys tell us the stories. Then we can definitely do that. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm down for that. Our YouTube numbers are going up. We would love for if every single one of you guys just went over there and just followed us. That'd be fantastic. That's going to help us out a lot. We're on TikTok. I got some stuff planned for TikTok. I'm working hard. Yeah, I got a full plate. My plate has all kinds of stuff on it. I've gotten requests for more witchy stuff, which I'm working on. I'm going to do another true crime one that's going to tie in with the Witch of Ringtown, but I was doing some research for another project, so now I'm doing this. I'm going to be giving you guys the rest of that story, so to speak, like the rest of the hex that happened in the 30s. Uh, it's, a very, it's going to be a really short episode, but I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. So follow us on TikTok, too. I'm catching up on Star Trek Discovery in case anybody actually gave a shit, but I, I love Star Trek. <laughs> Fucking, I missed it. And now I'm like binge watching it. And I like I love it. It's great uh cord uh has has followed my uh recommendation of of old gods of appalachia yeah it's oh great. yes it's great it's very it's very cool to listen to the dude has a good voice he do he for, do uh, story time definitely i'm a huge fan of just the sound of his voice brings me happiness yeah I'm, i like it otherwise ooh, i got caught up on Shit's creek that is funny as hell that is that is a very funny show. 
that and working. That's that's been my life. Uh, I guess my only other shout outs would be other podcasts that I'm listening to currently. I got into Severed Sun. They are a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. They're doing Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. It's kind of funny because I'm just listening to that now, but I've I've already been listening to Encounter Party doing Rhyme of the Frostmaiden on their Twitch channel. And I know I talk about him like all the fucking time. But speaking of Star Trek, Anthony Rapp from Star Trek going to be guesting as a guest character on the Encounter Party. So if you're a Star Trek fan, you'll probably enjoy that. It's a very special episode that are written by Brian the DM. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty sick, yo. May 16th is the first episode and then May 23rd will be the second. It's a two part. Are we out of here? Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else to recommend or talk about because uh, I've been boring. <laughs> yeah, work sucks. Yeah. Did she leave roses by the stairs to show that she really cares? No, not yet. yet. Damn it. Stay spooky. Don't die. But if you do, contact us. Via, if you could, if you could contact us, Write notes on $100 bills and mail them to us. Thanks. Cha-ching. <laughs> yes.